when my book got published, there was a really hard time that I had with this little voice inside my head who yeah. thought, people are going to think you're crazy if you tell them that you wrote this book. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow, I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. Welcome to ATP Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, showing you how to accentuate the positive, the way to a better life. Your radio station is an example of the future existing right now. Let's go. Hi, you're with Karen, accentuating the positive. How are you today? I'm so excited to have Sandra Champlain with me on the show this morning. Hi, Sandra. How are you? Hello, Karen. I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's so great to have you on the show. Actually, Sandra interviewed me the other day. We had a great chat. The two of us could chat forever. Let me tell you a little bit about Sandra. Sandra Champlain's fear of dying led her on a 15-year journey to find proof that life after death is real. After the death of her father, she created How to Survive Grief, a free audio that was quickly heard by thousands of people worldwide. Armed with this powerful information that has reduced pain and saved lives, she wrote We Don't Die, a skeptic's discovery of life after death that has become the number one international bestseller. She's also the subject of the video documentary called We Don't Die. Sandra is a highly respected speaker, author and entrepreneur committed to making a difference in the lives of others. It's so great to have you on the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. That bio sounds like you making a difference in the lives of others. <laughs> I love that you are a skeptic. I think that that's, uh, I love it when skeptics go on this path of inquiry because, you know, armed with that skeptical mind, you don't, you don't get sucked into too much of the, oh, let me say, woo-woo that's out there that really isn't for a highest good. Yeah, I was trying to prove that things weren't real only mm -hmm. to prove that they were and some of the experiences happened within my own head and those kind of things blow my mind so it, it's hard to continue being a skeptic when you actually have a an experience that moves you to the your soul you know I know you were somebody that looked at the whole new age movements as crazy hippies weren't you crazy hippies I'd go through a bookstore and people with that would be in the spirituality section I just I felt sorry for them like these people need to find a life you know you're not going to find it in those books you know I was really judgmental terrible to admit that but I was I, you know I really I mean I grew up and not many people were talking about psychics and mediums and there was a medium in our town and my parents were like oh that, that's not real there's nothing to that you know that's all make-believe and so I think we we take upon views of our parents and that's just a natural thing. And so like, I never gave it any credit. I never ever did. So, so what happened? Your dad got quite sick with, uh, was it cancer? It was cancer, but it, it was actually long before he got sick that I started my exploration. Okay. Um, and just uh, in a nutshell back in, Oh, 95, 96, I had a huge fear of dying and I wasn't sick. I didn't see anybody who just passed. I mean, I had in my past, like my grandfather had died and I'd worked in a nursing home and I'd seen some of the residents pass away, but 
all of a sudden I was confronted with this incredible fear of dying. And I would go to bed at night actually afraid if something were to happen to me, I'm not okay with not knowing mm. what happens next. I mm. mean, it was a fear just like any one of us, are, any one of our most painful, scary fears. And so it very secretly just had me looking. I started with reading books on major world religions because I grew up Catholic and although there's many stories of faith and heaven and Jesus and angels and things. Just reading the Bible or hearing stories was not enough to take away my fear. So I thought maybe the Buddhists have it or maybe this one has it. And mm-hmm. even after studying the religions, no. And I kind of decided that I'm never going to find an answer. So let me just n- try to not worry about it. And I just said, if I could be the best person I can be, maybe I have nothing to fear. But the fear was still there. Mm. And then I had an opportunity to meet up with um, Doreen Virtue, who's mm-hmm. a medium and psychic and the angel lady. And that began my path of, uh, and we can get into some of the things that I found out. Um, but it wasn't until 2010 that my dad was diagnosed with cancer and he ended up passing away five months after that and in the time of dad dying for the very first time I experienced really deep grief and even though I'd lost my grandmother before and some friends it had never been as hard and dark and awful as when dad died and I found out some things about grief and how our brains work with grief and we actually lose some of the healthy brain chemicals and it it just explained so much of what I was feeling and experiencing that as you mentioned reading my bio I created an audio that I put online uh, survivegrief.com if you go there you can just press play and listen Mm -hmm. but after I had done that after dad died it only took about three months and over 3,000 people had heard it and I had not advertised it I made maybe five posts on my Facebook page. That's Mm -hmm, it. mm -hmm. And then people told two friends and told two friends. And then I started receiving emails from listeners saying not only did it help ease their pain and give them compassion for if they were in a relationship and they started fighting because it's so easy to fight after someone passes away. Um, But people reported that they chose not to commit suicide because Mm. of my words. And so um, that's, it was at that point that it's like, you know what, the whole story has to come out, Mm. everything from, Mm. you know, and I just thought if I had the courage to do that, it could save more lives and inspire people how to live a a good life. And, um, and I'm not afraid of dying anymore. I'm not ready to go, but I um, don't have that fear of the unknown. Mm. Oh, look, that must have felt so fulfilling to know that your words had created such an impact in the lives of others. Well, I felt like, well, yeah, the answer is yes, but I almost felt like I had a responsibility mm. if I could make a difference that way because our brain chemistry really gets wacky when we're when we're grieving and many of us have never felt grief before and then once you do, uh, it, it can be so dark and, and dismal that people often do commit suicide because it is so painful depending on your level of love and loss and when I was able to explain common denominators that we all feel and people started saying yeah you know what that's me that's me that's me suddenly it's no longer our fault there's nothing wrong with us we understand that this is a process we have to go through it was like um this moral responsibility that like oh gosh if i have words that really help that much how the heck do i get it out that far and i think you know i do believe in 
God, a higher power, however you want to call it. But it was a, like a blessing in disguise. Like, Sandra, it's time for you to tell your story about life <laughs> after death. Because, Karen, not a lot of people know they're grieving, nor would they go out looking for a book on grief, nor do I want to be the grief lady in the yeah. world. I'm yeah. really about empowering people like yeah. you are. Mm-hmm. So I knew if I titled this book, We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death, that would be the thing that would have people take it off a bookshelf. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love what you said, the courage, because it does take a lot of courage to, especially when you've come from a background of people saying, you know, anyone who's a psychic or a medium or a new age person, they're all crazy hippies. And there's still a huge thought form in the world that, you know, those spiritual crazy hippie people. And so the courage to explore it and then the courage to come out of the spiritual closet and say, this is what I believe. And I've been speaking to these crazy hippie people. So it's scary. Yeah. I, I, you didn't mention um, that I have a day job besides all of this. I am a chef. I work with race car teams. Yeah. And when my book got published, there was a really hard time that I had with this little voice inside my head who yeah. thought people are going to think you're crazy if you tell them that you wrote this book. But meanwhile, I, I work with this big racing community and it's like, I, I need the people in my life to know. And it was, I was so afraid to bring the book in under the big food tent. And I really, I wasn't even going to, except for one of the race car driver's fathers owns a print shop. And he had known about my book and he asked me to send him a couple of pictures. And he made this gigantic stand-up banner. And he brings it into the racetrack. And he's like, look what I made for you. (laughs) And so everybody's looking, because in the middle of a racetrack to have a giant banner that says, we don't die with my face on it. It's like, well, here we go. This is the time it's, I have to go public. No going back now. Yeah, no going back. And just the opposite thing happened that I expected. I really thought people would give me a strange look and, oh, no, you're one of those people. But just the opposite happened. People would start coming to me with very personal stories. People would share, you know, that maybe they had a son die that was five years old. And what's your proof that maybe he's still around? And I mean, it was really a beautiful thing because I think more people believe or want to believe than we think. But I think we're all afraid of what other people think. And so it's so easy to keep our mouths shut. Yeah, absolutely. Because it hasn't been, you know, talking to dead people hasn't been something that's on the seven o'clock news, is it? No, (laughs) no, no. Oh, fantastic. So while you were at the racetrack catering with this big banner, what were some of the conversations that you had with the race car drivers? Well, I think one of the best was one of the retired race car drivers who's now a television announcer. And I've known him for years. And he comes up to me and he whispers, Sandra, what's this about? Why why do you have this book? And I said, well, this is a story that happened to me. And I, I gave him the abbreviated version. He says, can you talk for a few minutes? I said, sure. So we stepped outside of the tent and he says, I have a story that I've never told anybody. He said, when I was in my 20s, he said, I got into a car accident and I ended up flatlining on an operating table. And he said, that moment, all of a sudden, my grandmother and my grandfather, who were deceased, showed up. And he said, in a world that seemed so much more real than being on Earth. There were colors that we don't have on Earth, sounds we don't have. And he says, this feeling of unconditional love. So he says, I knew that I had died and that this was heaven or whatever, but that I was safe with grandma and grandpa. But he said, I looked 
down and I could see my mom and my dad and my brother praying for me because he says at that point I was in a coma and he says I knew I had a choice and I could come back to earth or I could stay with grandma and grandpa either way would be fine and he says I chose to come back to earth and he says I opened my eyes and he says I was in a lot of pain but he said that real that world that he experienced in heaven or whatever you want to call it the hereafter he says made this life on earth seemed like just a dream. I mean, that's that was the, the feeling he had. And so he knew, and his memory was so sharp and clear of this experience, that he knew there was nothing to be afraid about death, mm. nothing at all. Mm. And because he didn't have a fear of dying, he says, that's why I could race harder than anybody. I could put my foot on the pedal and I could take risks that other people were afraid to take. And he said, that's why I won all the championships, because I could just edge out the competition. And he said, yeah, because I wasn't afraid of dying, I wasn't afraid of living. Mm. And that, Karen, told me that, geez, if I can give people that gift in a book, and not necessarily to drive 200 miles per hour, (laughs) um, but to, you know, take risks outside of your comfort zone, because ultimately nothing's going to happen. You can't get hurt. You cannot die. And I think you and I both believe that it's on the other side of fear where the miracles are, where our dreams can be fulfilled. I mean, we just, we have to push through the fear to have new results. Oh, look, absolutely. That's such a fabulous message. It's such a fabulous message. I remember when I contacted you originally, I read on your uh, website that, you know, you thought all those um, new age people were these crazy hippies. And I think I I said to you, hey, Sandra, I'm one of those crazy hippie people (laughs) that that (laughs) that believes in life after death. Let's chat. So tell me, what's your journey been with the podcast? Because you have the podcast, We Don't Die, where you interview people that have had near-death experiences or you interview mediums and channels and psychics and all those crazy hippie people. They're coming to you. You've attracted them like bees to honey. Yes, I sure have. Well, um, if I may, just before we end somewhere, I'd love to tell like one of my big stories of why the first thing that happened to me that I knew life after death was real. Yes, Um, tell me. Oh, you know what? I'll share that and then I can continue with some of these other stories because uh, one of the things that I know is that I love stories. First of all, I love my experiences. I think they're great. I think they change people's lives by hearing them. But if you're like me, you want more evidence. You want more proof. It can't just be Sandra Champlain who went through this. Who else did? Who else did? There's a lot of people that are authors and they have books out of their great experiences with near-death experiences or reincarnation or whatever that may be. But there's also a lot of men and women out there that have incredible stories of a visitation from a loved one or even a near-death experience that is not written about or all kinds of things. And so to be able to hear those stories just from regular men and women that give you the goosebumps, I mean, they are so awesome some of them and I'll and I'll share a couple of them when I'm yeah. done with my story but I have the website we don't die radio.com or if you listen on iTunes just type in we don't die and you can find it that way but I love it I love it so here's my my big <laughs> aha moment Me that too. happened first is I had seen this Doreen Virtue do a, a stage show And she was giving medium readings to people that would stand up in the audience. And so my skeptical brain wanted to figure out 
what the scam was. You know, mm-hmm. somehow she was a con artist, mm-hmm. and and by doing these readings, some you know, I just thought there was something fishy going on. But the readings that she gave were just so beautiful and so real. And at the end of it, it was like, okay, good night. You know, there was no hard sell to buy anything else. And I, somewhere I thought maybe that was the real deal that I witnessed. Now, at that time, I still had this huge fear of dying. So I was really looking for some evidence. So I looked up Doreen Virtue's website and I found that she offered a three-day course in mediumship. The promise being, if you attend my course, you are somebody who can accurately tell the deceased people around others. So inner skeptic Sandra is going, no freaking way. That's impossible. There's now, come on. Now, if there even are mediums, I'm not one of them. However, the Sandra that was so afraid of dying thought, you know, if there's any credibility in that, I've got to check it out. So I flew to California for three days and I was in a group of about 20 people. I felt completely out of place because, yeah, everybody else was one of these new age people and me. And uh, one of the first things she did is she says, I want to explain how medium readings are done. So she says, we're, we're not going to do one now, but everybody take a partner and sit knee to knee. I want you to hold hands. She says, I want you to imagine that it's a very safe place. If you feel comfortable, say a prayer that this is like divine energy within this circle around you. And imagine a golden light connecting your hearts. And she says, our deceased loved ones still have their same personalities. So you very nicely, just silently introduce yourself and and ask them to introduce themselves. And if they want to give a message to your partner that you're the medium to do that. She says, this is just play make believe. So she says, I want you to just invent a person standing behind your partner, just pretend there's someone there. And she says, because we're, we're just, this is practice. We're not really going to do the medium reading right now. So because there was no fear of, of doing anything other than using my imagination, I had no problem with that. She says, one of you go first. And she says, I want you to literally picture somebody behind your partner and tell the story, who they are. If you hear a name, tell them the name, maybe what they died of. Maybe there's a message that you're supposed to tell the person. And so our eyes were both closed and I have my, I'm holding this woman's hands. What came immediately to my imagination was that there was a man standing behind her and I just start talking and I don't know where this information came from, but I said, I see a man and I I think it's your grandfather on your mom's side and uh, I see a fishing boat and, oh, Denmark. Yeah, he's a fisherman in Denmark and he's got blonde hair and blue eyes and a big gap between his front teeth and really windburned skin and, and his name is Jan and he died of lung cancer. And, and I'm just telling her the story of this guy that I'm making up in my mind. And I said, and there's a message that he wants you to give your mom. Because while he was alive, he never spoke the words, I love you. He was a real tough guy and he wasn't home much, but he wants you to tell your mom he, he loves her. So I opened my eyes like, okay, it's your turn to go. And there's just streams of tears going down her cheeks. She says, my grandfather's name was Jan. He was a fisherman in Denmark. He died of lung cancer. He fit the description. And she says, and he never did tell mom that he loved her. It's fantastic, isn't yeah. it? That must have from, just blown you away. I get goosebumps to this day. From a skeptic's head, that came out. Yeah, yeah. But and that 
was pivotal. Pivotal. What else? It's mm-hmm. beautiful how, because I used to teach psychic awareness and well as well, and we did this, I used to do sim- similar things. I used to pair people up and they would, you know, talk to their spirit guides and, and read inside their body and all that sort of thing. But it's in that vibration of play when you take away that this means something I'm you know you take away the fear you take away the fear of I'm going to get it wrong what are they going to think of me I can't do this when because that that's what happened to me when I first did the theta healing we were looking inside people's bodies and I was looking and saying I can't do this I can't do this I can't do this and I'm looking at this woman going I can't do this and she's saying just relax just relax you can do it just just pretend you know just pretend it's no big deal there's no one's judging you you're not getting it right or wrong and so I started to just pretend like just make it up and I was telling her stuff that I could see and again I opened my eyes and she said you're spot on And then Uh I said to her, do you know, I've been doing that all my life. And this is the pivotal thing is that we, we have access to this stuff and we do it all the time, all of us, but we make no big deal about it. And I used to massage people and because I'd studied as a naturopath, I knew what the muscles looks like. So I used to visualize the muscle. But what I was actually doing was I was actually looking inside people's bodies and seeing it. But I was just thinking that I was just visualizing what I already knew, like... Yeah, and, and so we make no big deal about it. And I think that's such a great message for people that think that any sort of extrasensory perception is hard. It's not. It's easy. No, there's the two sides of our brain, they say. And I don't know, have you ever played with remote viewing? Yes, definitely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I have a couple of pages in my book teaching about that. And uh, for the listener who doesn't know, um, remote viewing is an ESP technique. And it really is to quiet the mind because there's a part of our mind that is no way you can't do this. Or if you can, or or other people can, but you can't, you're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. You know, you're not lovable, you know, and then to put that aside and be able to let the imagination, the, the right side of the brain come in. And, and so there's things that I've taught, like, um, if you have a magazine that you've never looked at before ever, and you take maybe 15 minutes or so, and just evoke your imagination. Like if I knew what pictures were in that magazine, what would they be? And just play and have a notebook and start writing things down. And then what happens is, is once you go through the magazine, it's like, that picture's on that page, that picture's on that page and things that you had, maybe not all, but most of them. And so when we can have one of those experiences that we know things that we shouldn't know, or if you have a medium experience like this, and I, I, I never went on to be a medium or to really perfect it, but to have any of those experiences is kind of like, if that's possible, I can't just be this body. There has to be so much more to me than meets the eye. And I, and I think that whole, that's all fascinating. It is fascinating. But it, it also helps you live your life, Sandra, because I was listening to someone online the other day who had had a near-death experience and he was saying, it. he said it so succinctly, I can't remember who it was, that when you die, you've only got one sense. And that's your sixth sense. You've only got all the other five, smell, taste, touch, seeing, hearing, while you're in the physical. But when you're in your light body, there's only one sense and it's your strongest sense. It's your strongest sense, which we have while we're physical, but we get so distracted by the other senses that we forget to use our sixth sense. (laughs) 
Yeah. Un- until and you I, do a Doreen Virtue course. <laughs> I got into a whole bunch of hot water in um, my book because I said there's no chocolate in heaven. And, <laughs> and I said, well, and here's the thing. I, I have no proof that there's no chocolate in heaven. But the point of that chapter was here on earth, we are given the five senses. And yes. how often are we missing a beautiful piece of music or missing a sunset or missing a person right in front of us because maybe we're too busy texting or looking something up on the internet. Like we get so crazy about some things, maybe like technology that we're, we're, we're missing experiencing things in our five senses. So like I said, there may very well be chocolate in heaven, but to <laughs> savor the five senses that we do have while we're here. Yeah. And we also do have the sixth sense and, um, and I've, I've talked to people too that, and so I don't really know the answer here, that have experienced the warmth of a hug in a near-death experience. They have experienced flavor. So I don't know if that is the sixth sense creating that or, or how that works. So, um, Well, a friend of mine who died, Nikki, who was uh, born thalidomide affected and she, she left her body at 40, I had moved up to the northern beaches, so I was about an hour away from her because we used to see each other every day, and then I moved up to a more beautiful part of Sydney. And I didn't see her just before she died, and I was upset about that because she was in and out of hospital so many times because she was such a sick little girl that when she went into hospital yet again, I didn't race down to say good, you know, to see her because she was always in hospital. And then right. she died, and I, and I went for a swim in the ocean, and she came to me while I was swimming, and this is what she said. She said, enjoy the feeling of the ocean, Karen. She said, savor the touch of the water on your skin. To me, it's just a memory now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing about being in a non-physical environment is that you can experience the chocolate or the hug or but it is a memory, just like you can experience the sadness or fear of, uh, you know, something that happened in the past. It's not happening to you now, but right. your memory is evoking that same, mm-hmm. uh, you can remember the taste of something or the pain of something or the joy of something. So we get to experience it, but from our memories and not from the actual experience of it. But here in the body, you see, we've got the experience of it, not the memory. But- Something that excites me a lot is I I spoke to a medium a couple nights ago. His name is Jeffrey Walker. Yeah. And, oh, my gosh, does this man do a fantastic medium reading. He's really, really good. But he and I were getting into the conversation that who we are on earth is still who we are when we're in the hereafter. So in the hereafter or heaven, whatever you want to call it, there is this experience that you think of a waterfall and voila, there's a waterfall. You think yeah. whatever it may be. Yeah. And he says, we actually have that while we're here on earth. The thing is, is that we have the illusion of time and space yeah, here. Exactly. Yeah. So things mm-hmm. may take a little longer, mm-hmm. but we are every bit as powerful. Yeah. And that kind of conversation really excites me because we hear about the law of attraction. We hear about visualization. There are some really great great things that I've experienced in my life and great synchronicities and you know it's really imagining things as if they've already happened Mm -hmm. giving gratitude to something before it's happened like it really has happened and oh my gosh things happen (laughs) it's cool I know we are powerful and exactly when you you've spoken to so many people that have had this near-death experiences so thought creates instantaneously in that 
in that experience. Mm-hmm. And thought creates in this experience just not instantaneously, <laughs> which I know. which you wouldn't want it to because imagine if you thought of an elephant, an elephant shows up in your room, it's like you wouldn't want that to happen. So, uh-huh. so the buffer of time is beautiful. I want to go back to what we were talking about, the remote viewing and and skeptics and people you know what's crazy about this idea that these crazy new age hippies are crazy is that the government knew about psychic phenomena and had been using it in world war ii i think have you heard of dr munro they used to use oh yes mediums to spy on the russians they used to Mm -hmm. use remote viewing they would send their mind their consciousness across the other side of the planet and go and look inside files secret files and so here's the mainstream community or population thinking that that stuff's crazy and yet the government were is using it so it's interesting isn't it yeah i think there's a lot of fear about sharing things like i know man and probably same thing with you you meet so many people and we have this commonality like we love this stuff we want to talk about it we've had dreams we've we've known that the phone's going to ring and then all of a sudden that person calls but there's this huge fear of what people what are people going to think we can't possibly share it and even something so big as the government it could really jeopardize the status of it if it gets involved with this uh this thing i used to belong to well, I've, I've done all kinds of courses and transformational work. And, and there's one course that I took that's very mainstream and it's really landmark forum. Do you know what that is? Yeah, I've done the forum. I did it about 20 years ago. It changed my life, yep. actually. Mm. Uh, me too. Mm. I did it in 2002. And I, I did a lot of the courses after the, the three-day weekend. And they put it, everything's talking about being and being a human and, you know, things like that. So there's not any of this woo-woo talk. Uh, <laughs> but I did talk to one of the instructors. And this was at the time that I had learned the remote viewing and things. And he says, you know, back in the day, they actually had an exercise where they would partner people up and clear their mind and people could actually see into the other person's lives. Mm. And it, it was like a remote viewing thing, but mm. it, it, it scared people. And so they took that out because they just realized that they, you know, the the whole thing they want to do is create empowerment Empowerment. in people, not not scare them. So I I just don't know if everybody is ready to move from a skeptic to not. I think they are these days. I think that that's where we're moving as a human race. We're moving more into our empowerment is really about knowing that we can we can access anything and. I think, I mean, imagine a world where everyone could read everybody else's thoughts. There would be no secrets. And that, right. that would be scary to people who want to bomb other people. But wouldn't that be beautiful if people stopped wanting to kill each other or rob each other? Oh, or, absolutely. I mean, but if, we have to learn these things, I think, on our own time. Yeah. If somebody were to push my journey on me, I would have resisted it. I don't believe yeah. in this. But mm-hmm. I think we each find our inner calling of what aspect of it inspires us. So I think having your show is great and my show is great. And it's just to open up the door a little bit and let people, and when people can choose freely for themselves, they want to learn more, you know, they do. Yeah. I think because it's fascinating. 
It is fascinating. Oh, look, I'm fascinated with it. My journey's been a long journey because I started thinking about this when I was 16. So I've seen the expansion of this awareness over the years, you know, 35 years. 20 years ago, like I was just so crazy to most people. But 10 years ago, not so crazy. But now I feel like I'm amongst friends. I've just got so many friends and people to play with who are all thinking the way I do and all discovering. The, it's just, it's a new world. We live in a new world. It's really beautiful. And I love this world because it's not the world of people complaining, woe is me, being a victim. It's it's more what can we create, what we're responsible for. I mean, it it's a whole new way of living. I can't be down in the dumps too long and have friends like you, you know? <laughs> it's like, well, why did you create this then for yourself, Sandra? I want to give your listeners a gift. Can I do that? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, well, because I have so many stories of life after death and even from my... I know, I want to ask you about yeah, some of your favorites. There's no way I'm going to get to all of them. So yeah. if if you go to my radio website, which is wedontdieradio.com, right at the top it says, please click here for free gifts and part of the Insiders Club. Well, what one of those free gifts is, is, is the first several chapters of my book that talks about all my life after death experience and why I believe and all the different things that I have experienced so you you have that as a gift and also that grief audio that I had mentioned uh, you had mentioned in the beginning right and then you can also see episode 56 is our Karen Swain because you were my guest but some (laughs) of the most memorable episodes are there's a woman I can't think of her name just off the top of my head but she was a hospice nurse Mm -hmm. she had stories upon stories of just before someone had passed away they can see right into heaven Um, people are greeted by either angels or the deceased loved ones and so many people like the skeptical mind will say well that's their mind was just shutting down and well they also knew what date it was what time it was they could also see very clearly into the room they were in and even there was uh, one gentleman whose dad had passed away but right before he passed away he had opened his eyes and he had been in a coma and uh, he had swung his legs around the bed like he was going to get up. And the adult children were like, Dad, 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 just stay where you are. And and they said, what do you see? And he says, oh, it's so beautiful there. And he was naming people that he saw that were deceased. And he even named two people that had been friends of his that had died while he was in the coma. Wow. So he was never even told they were deceased and he could see them there and I mean just great stories but she had just tons of stories like that and that's great and then um, there's a woman by the name of Rita Berkowitz who is a medium and she's also an artist and her this is just cool to look at her website it's thespiritartist.com and she not only sees the deceased people around you she'll draw a picture of them yeah And so I actually got to see her and she drew a picture of my dad, very similar to how he looked in his 20s when he was in the Air Force. Uh, There's a woman named Dr. Mary Neal, who's a spine surgeon, who was was an atheist. And she, she had a canoe or a kayak that had flipped over and drowned. And in those moments, uh, Jesus ended up coming to her and she saw some things that would happen later in her life. And uh, she was resuscitated and those things happened. And, you know, she's she's very clear that life after death is real. Um, there was a Dr. Uh, Rajiv Parti is his name. And he tells a story that he was also 
in the operating room. He was an anesthesiologist. And he said, to be honest, he says, I didn't care about people. He said, I, we would joke about the patient. We had music on in the operating room. He says, I drove a Hummer, a Mercedes, some other car. He said, my, my house mortgage was $11,000 a month. He says, I, I was all about status. And he said, Mm. when he died, he had a near death experience from something. I forgot what illness made it happen, but he said where he went would be similar to what we would think of as hell, just like a really dark place. And just pain and and torture and lightning and thunder and he said um, even though he wasn't religious he he started to pray and a little pinprick of light opened up like on the horizon and the more he prayed the stronger the light got and he said he went through a life review that he said he actually saw all of his actions from the other people's point of view from the people that he impacted he saw the pain that he caused and then then after that he's any good that he had done in the world he could see the ripple effect and that but he said there was no god that was saying you're wrong and bad you're going over here it was just a very personal thing that he got to choose how he were to go forward and he says from that experience he he opened his eyes he was back here on earth and he says now he's about waking people up as opposed to putting them to sleep he says i drive (laughs) a small car i have a little house with my wife he's really has strong faith now but i mean he could see so clearly his impact and i think what a great story that is that you know, we all have to be responsible for our our actions. And Absolutely. so, um, do you know, it just, just reminds me, I, I have a friend that every now and again, I just do good deeds for him and it feels good. And so I never know if anything will ever come back. But I thought, you know what, when my life flashes before my eyes, you know, I'm going to really get to feel these things that yeah. put a smile on his face from sure. that. Yeah. Sure. Look, you've spoken to so many people who have had these near-death experiences. There seems to be a common thread that runs through all the stories. Do you want to tell us what the procedure is for most people? I know that it is very individualistic, but um, the life review is definitely... The life review mm-hmm. is something everybody explains, and it's the same. I mean, it's very similar anyways. It, it really is from the other perspective. And so I love the thought of being able to see the ripple effect of your good deeds and you're judging yourself for anything that you didn't do right from from the point of view of it's growth for your soul. It's not a make wrong. Mm. But many, many, many people are greeted by their angels, deceased loved ones. It is a world that seems more real like than our our world where Mm. they are makes life on earth just seem just like a dream Mm. um i've heard like i was saying you could wish for a waterfall and the waterfall would show up it's definitely what's in our consciousness like we can create our environment uh i believe there is uh from what people have said there's still learning and growth to be done the question of reincarnation has come up many times and what so many people say is that we reunite with the other players that are in our kind of in our lives right now so we all wait till we all meet up again and then we as a group review the parts we played and like I can think of my family you might get in an argument with my sister but then 
on the other side, we get back and say, well, you know, I caused that. So you would go ahead and go do this and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and all this. And so like reincarnation is very real. I don't know if it's something that you immediately get born into another body. I don't seem to think so, which, although I, I think that can happen, but death is pleasant. Death is something where we close our eyes here on earth and we open them up into a, a, again, into just this very real, very real, beautiful world. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I'm, I'm thrilled goes away is that uh, the the negative ego that uh, might not be so empowering. It's Mm -hmm. a, it's an experience of every soul you see, you know who it is, you know them to the core, their core. There's just unconditional love and that comes through all the time. It's just this mm. feeling of just the most radiant, magnificent love. Oh, mm. one more great thing is, you know, I've worn glasses in my life and I've been overweight like all my life, but you get to be the perfect you. You get to be the perfect you. Like my dad, when he died, he was hooked up with tubes and he was frail. And and so the vision of him is strong like he was in, in the Air Force. And, yeah. um, you know, really, you get to be the best you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I love that. I love that. So You said that after, life after death is pleasant. I would say it's ecstatically exciting. Exquisite. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. But here's the thing. It's ecstatically exquisite and blissful and sublime and incredible. But you can't eat chocolate. <laughs> or can you? I don't You can know. remember it, but you, know, you can't have the experience of it. Yeah. I think yeah. it's different for different people. And I think, you know, there's only one way we're going to find out. And We'll just have to meet up and see if we have our box of chocolates there. <laughs> Life is a box but you know, of chocolates. <laughs> yeah, what I think, because so many people, I mean, have asked me, you know, if it is so great there, why do we have to live this life, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, I, I can't help but think, you know, I've asked people, well, what's your favorite food? Pizza. You know, that comes out a lot. Well, if you were to only eat pizza forever, how would that be? Well, in the beginning, it'd be great, but then I'd get sick of it. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So I think if anything's real great for real long, it just becomes kind of boring. So that's right. We need to have the emotions. We need to have the experiences. And and I think you would feel the same way. Is everything that's happened to me in my life, even the most painful, dire things. When I lost my dad, it was a horrible experience. But out of it, yes, I learned. Yes, I grew. Yes, I learned things that I'm now helping other people. I have. Uh, the book I'm sharing as much as I can with people mm. and that would have never happened without the pain so exactly. there is gift in grief there's gifts in pain if you're listening right now and you're in something hard it may be really hard to think that someday you'll be out of it looking back saying ah this is what I've learned but this is this is how we learn and I do believe that life is an education for the soul I really do yeah uh, and mm-hmm. and good practice and being loving and forgiving and and making dreams come true. Ah, mm. oh, beautiful! You're such a great teacher, Sandra. Oh, thanks. <laughs> You're not so bad yourself. <laughs> oh, that's what it's all about—sharing information, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it is. So, where do you think you'll take all this? What What do you see in Sandra's future? I want to be speaking on stages like Tony Robbins has the Great. huge auditorium. Great. I want to, girl. Um, yeah, and it's not me as in like, come see Sandra. It's your message. It's, like, it's, it's come, yeah, because if, like I said, if we're not afraid of dying, we're not afraid of living. And I've talked to enough 
surgeons that say just before someone goes into an operating table, they are filled with fear. They're filled with thoughts of what they didn't do or didn't say or should have done or shouldn't have done. They suddenly start praying, even if they've had no prior spirituality. And there's just this like regret looking back on life and just huge regret. And what would it be like to really have a world where people play full out, get their money's worth out of life, really know that like this is where the good stuff happens. And even if it doesn't feel good, I'm growing, I'm learning. Even going through fear is brutal. But on the other side of it, it's like, oh my gosh, look what I created. And so those final moments when we close our eyes, like I said, here on earth, instead of having regret, instead of having fear, instead of trying to find spirituality, it's like to really have that faith that, yeah, I did everything I needed to do. You know, I've said everything I needed to say. I've, I've really played full out, you know, and like to have that message. And, and also, even though my book isn't about grief, that grief audio has turned into chapter 10 of my book because like it or not, we're all going to lose a loved one and it hurts really bad. And instead of um, so many people die internally when when a loved one dies and it it is to kind of use grief to get to the other side of it and to get back with you moving on your life. And so, you know, I know there's millions of people that die worldwide and I know gosh how many how much grief is being felt right now so if i can alleviate some of that while i'm delivering this message uh and even you know i still get letters of people that chose not to commit suicide because of my words and it's like Mm. okay you know we're just gonna keep on sharing and see where it goes you know so yeah such a powerful message i mean it's it's the reason that i wrote the book return to love too because you look out into the world and you see what is where does the most suffering come from and it comes from people dying, you know, it's, it's on the news, the, the, people suffer when other people transition. I don't, I don't right. call it death because the ones on the other side say, I didn't die, so they say don't use the death word, I <laughs> no know. such thing as death. So I always say when they transition, when they leave this mortal coil, when they exit the planet, <laughs> stage yes. left, exit the planet. It'd be nice to rejoice for them and have a party. And it's exactly. Like, wow, they did it and, exactly. you know, really celebrate their life celebrate yeah celebrate and that's their message too please don't cry please don't grieve because I'm fine and you've got a life to lead so get on with it yeah and better than fine (laughs) I'm better than fine and I'm still here just pick up the phone and talk to me pick up the psychic hotline I have a a quick story before my dad passed away yeah I had I hadn't told him all this stuff that I had learned about life after death I was afraid. Dad went to church every single day. It was very religious. And then I, you know, of course I was afraid he was going to think I was a lunatic. And um, before he passed away, I said, Dad, there's some things I really want to share with you. But I'm afraid. He's like, sweetie pie, you can tell me anything. I'm like, it's weird. He's like, you can tell me. (laughs) So I started telling him some of my stories and he's just looking up at me like, okay, I love you unconditionally, but this is kind of weird. And so all of a sudden I saw in my mind a small yellow airplane with black lettering on it. And I said, dad, all of a sudden I'm getting this image in my imagination. I said, does this mean anything to you? And he said, well, tell me more. And I said, I'm thinking of a name, Jim, and a man laughing who wants to say, you were wrong. I did get to bring my toys with me. (laughs) 
And my dad's eyes filled with tears. And he starts shaking and he's smiling. Dad had survived cancer from 30 years before he died. And he would go around helping cancer patients and aid patients. And really, he was a really great guy empowering people. But he would tell some of these cancer patients, like, it's not your time yet. You can beat this. And this guy, Jim, had that airplane. And wow. dad would always say, Jim, you got to hang on. You got to hang on because you can't take your toys with you. Oh, wow. So that that came out of my mouth. And That's dad's fantastic. like, I want to know everything. And then oh, um, wow. and then the, the day came that we knew that he wouldn't be around much. And I said, dad, is there anything you need to say or anything that hasn't been done yet? Is there anything I could do to help with anything? And he says, you know, I have one regret. He says that I didn't get to write a book with you. Oh. And he says, you promised me that everything you just told me, that you'll write a book. Oh. And Karen, without knowing how, I made that promise. And, oh. You know, it's been five years now. And, and you know, So yeah. did he, did you, are you communicating with your dad is the question I want to ask on the other side. Have you got open communication with him? I don't, but that's not because of him. It's because of me. Um, even though I like, I still have the skeptical mind. He says, he says possible. you do. Well, no, I do. <laughs> but I guess I'm the one who's not choosing to pick up the phone. It's so funny because after he had passed away, someone had said, your dad's right with you and he, he wants you to talk to him. And, and then I had a medium on the show in the early days of my show and uh, a guy named Stephen Masick. And he says, your dad's coming through. And he says, he wants you to know you're he's right next to you, yeah. but you're still not talking to him. Yeah. He wants to talk to him. And then I was on a TV show not too long ago, and a woman that was in the cab ride with me, she says, oh, I hope you don't mind. But she says, I'm a psychic. I'm like, oh, of course, you know, I don't mind. She says, I'm getting a real strong message from your dad that you're still not talking to him. I'm like, it's so now it's coming from you. And yeah. So, so he I says, know, when are you going to quit, Sandra? Are you, when are you going to quit? Know. When are you going to quit the story that we're not talking? And, and you know what? He's, okay. he's telling me about how you weren't talking to other members of your family. And he yeah. says, it's like you weren't talking to them and you're not talking to me and I'm right here talking to you. Oh, let's see <laughs> if I can get my head around that. So tell me about, because I know you had some problems with your family after your dad died. You said that the grief turned you all into crazy maniacs and you all started fighting, which grief can do. Yeah. Now, how's the relationship with your family? It's not all cleaned up. Mm -hmm. uh, some is, some isn't. Um, well, you know, one thing, because I, I've spoken to so many families and sometimes it's almost half of the people that I've spoken to aren't talking to their siblings after a parent dies. And just just for your listener, and I think you know this, but our brain has a lot of these healthy brain chemicals like serotonin and dopamine and all these things. And when we grieve, we could have normally 100% of these healthy chemicals and it could get down to 10% healthy chemicals. And well, these healthy chemicals, they really regulate our mood. That's why we cry so much when we're grieving and we get so angry. But also our perception and our memory pretty much stink when we're grieving. Like our view of the occurring world, we might see it as one way when it's happening another way. Mm. When we're having a conversation with somebody, we might hear them saying one thing, but they're saying another thing. I had a conversation with my sister about dad's care prior to when he died, and she just 
couldn't understand what I was saying. And finally, I, I like, you have to repeat this word for word what I'm saying because I knew she was going to report back to my brother and sister. And finally, she came out with exactly what I was saying about his care and what he wanted. And so the story that my brother and sister got was her altered story. And at the time, Karen, I thought she was out to get me. I thought she hated me and she made up the story. But a grieving mind can't necessarily hold on to memory uh, or communication. What I believe happens with family members is we're fighting what we think is over the same thing, but we have such a different view of it. Like if somebody sees a car accident, you can interview all the people standing around it. They're all going to have different stories. Mm, mm, you know, where's yeah, the life. truth? Mm. So, I mean, I got pretty much uh, voted as the greedy sister that I was out. I moved in with my dad before his death, five months before, because I was the only single child. How that got turned into a story by my siblings was Sandra did that because she wanted more of dad's money. Well, that story in a grieving mind, especially if two or more people are talking the same story, can become reality. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question, relationship with one sister is great. Second sister, we haven't spoken in five years. And best I can do is pick up the phone and try to get into communication. It's really interesting because I was talking to um, this Jeffrey Walker the other day, the the medium, and he said, it was really interesting because he says, you know, you because he addressed everything. And I said, what about my siblings? And mm. he told me about my brother and sister. Mm. And he says, you know, your brother's got a lot of anger and he's hard headed. And your dad says, just let him be. And he says, your sister still feels disappointment that you've changed mm -hmm. and and I've heard it come through my aunt and things that she thinks I've changed into kind of a Ouija board mm. kind of one of those know, one crazy of those hippies things. yeah and mm. and the problem with our minds is if if we really believe something's true then communication that comes from another person it's almost like we we have a filter mm. through which we listen to people uh, for instance, if, you know, her thing is, is like, I can never trust Sandra again. So even if we get into communication and I say, I'll call you at eight o'clock and I call it eight oh five. Well, I knew it. I can never trust you. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's very, very, very hard. So I wish I could tell you I have resolved. Uh, there's still stuff going on there, mm. but I know. I well, you can't, you can't create in the mind of another, but you can, no. you can see just like we create, we were talking about creating on the other side what you yeah. want you can visualize what you want in your own mind and pretend almost that that's the relationship you have and yeah. then let time work that out so yeah. I remember I was uh, talking to a girlfriend who was leaving her husband years ago and she said he's going to be so upset and he's going to be devastated but I have to go and then I said is that the story you want to create because remember we get to create all of it what right. about he won't understand to start with and then he'll come to a realization that this was the best for both of us and then he'll go on to lead a happy life. And she said, well, that's a much better story than he'll be devastated. It, it is. And it is. Uh, that's exactly what she did. She created the scenario that she wanted. She couldn't be unrealistic to think that he wouldn't be upset initially, but then he would come quickly to an understanding and then he would go on to have a happy life. 
And that's exactly what he did. He 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 got over it very quickly, and he remarried, and he's very happy. So yeah, yeah, we we are powerful, and, and we are I powerful. am just as human as anybody. That even though I have this wonderful toolbox, I'm not always using the tools. So I think <laughs> another great reason to stay connected to people yeah. and to listen to these shows is yeah. that and Karen you gave me some really good advice the other night when we were on the interview can I just tell you how yeah. great things have turned out sure. I I had explained this is for our listener who doesn't know what the conversation was that sometimes it can be really uh, messy in my mind I'm thinking a lot of not empowering thoughts yeah. and so I said it was like a rose garden that's covered with weeds and I want to get rid of the weeds and you're like no bless the weeds weeds can be good sometimes you know or weeds are the most healing things. And, and, and I just thought, wow, I've, I've never thought of weeds being that way. And then you had me just take on that things are easy. Like it's easy to do this. It's, it's easy to do that and, and be really gentle with my thoughts. And so I've, I've spent the last week since we've talked really in it's, it's easy. And so when I get out of bed in the morning, you know, normally I'm fighting and want to press the snooze button, but it's like, no, it's easy. And it's actually fun to be up. And, and so I've, I've seemed to be made, making friends now with what used to be my, you know, arch nemesis is, yeah. and it, it feels really good. So Fantastic. thank you for that. Oh, I'm so pleased. That's wonderful. Wonderful feedback. Thank you. Yeah. Really nice. It's easy. Make friends with those negative thoughts. It's easy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. Easy, easy, easy. Well, so, the yeah. advice comes from, you know, broader perspective it comes from mm-hmm. my guides they they've been teaching me and and like you Sandra I've got access to exalted wisdom that's teaching me all the time but I'm not always listening <laughs> and when I do believe my stressful thoughts I really need to be reminded because in mm-hmm. my stress just like you say in your grief in my stress I don't have access to that I don't have access to my guides because we're not a vibrational match and so listening to a podcast or a YouTube film is really empowering because it reminds me to get back to that it reminds me and and I call my teachings reminders from home because we all forget and we all need reminding oh that's so nice yeah so what you're doing and what I'm doing what we're all doing you know getting these messages and these conversations out there is such a powerful thing such a great yeah. reminder reminder to get back to love yeah oh thank you so much for being on the show what an enlightened conversation i could talk to you every week we should have a chat every week or at least every month i anyway. know <laughs> definitely definitely and it feels really good when we start oh this is a little trick that i do with people when they're grumpy and anybody can use this as you start having people share what they love whether they, you know, if you're talking to somebody and you ask, oh, how'd you meet your husband or yeah, wife? Exactly. Or, you know, what was it like when your child was born? Or what do you love to do? Or where do you love to vacation? And you can watch someone transform into being grumpy to feeling fantastic. Exactly. So this conversation, Karen, just had me being, you know, I mean, I wasn't grumpy before, but I was a little bit tired. And now it's like, yeah, on top <laughs> of the world. So that's what you did because you allowed me to share something I love. So oh, thank you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you so much. And if you want to read Sandra's fascinating book, you can go to her website, wedontdie.com and uh, download it there. It's also on Amazon. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wherever you buy books, it and is available. Uh, so you've got it in hard copy in bookshops mm-hmm. as well. I wonder if yes, it's I out do. here in Australia. Is it out here in Australia? Do you know? I don't think it's in every bookshop, but every bookshop can order it and yeah, get it in go. within a few days. So Fantastic. it can be printed there. Wonderful. Thanks so much, honey. You're welcome.
Bye for now. Bye. The fabulous Sandra Champlain there, inspirational speaker and author of We Don't Die, A Skeptic's View of Life After Death. If you want to listen to more podcasts of Accentuate the Positive, go to karenswain.com slash listen and you'll see many of the guests there that I've interviewed. I'm also on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Mixcloud, Soundcloud, you name it, I'm all over the web. (laughs) Spreading the love and making it easy for you to accentuate the positive. Thanks again for listening. Go to our Facebook page, Accentuate the Positive Radio with Karen Swain, and show us your love. Bye for now.